0: Good evening and welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at Loco and follow the podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets for more news, podcasts, etc. As always, be sure to follow and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, and the Megaphone app. Subscribing is free and keeps you up to date on the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis. On tonight's episode, seeing as there's not really any new NHL news with the season now being suspended and basically every major sport in the world also suspended at the same time, I thought it might be fun to talk about some of the crazy things the Jets could do in the offseason. And especially because next year is going to be a little bit different than what we expect, I have a feeling that the upcoming season is going to be a little bit weird. Quite honestly, I have no idea what next year is going to look like. I don't even know what the end of this season is going to look like if we even have an end of the season. There's a, a decent chance that the Jets just don't play any more hockey for the rest of the year. Hard to say. It's it's we're kind of we're in uncharted waters and no one has ever really dealt with a crisis like this before. But, of course, in the NHL, things are always moving. While league play is suspended, that doesn't mean that in the off-season or I guess whatever off-season is going to be constituted for Um, I I guess whatever the NHL decides to do, obviously Winnipeg has a lot of work to kind of go through and a lot of roster moves to make because they've got some guys who are expiring. They've got some contracts that are going to be expiring not too long afterwards. They've got some rookies that they need to bring in, especially on the blue line. And the Jets are kind of facing a very thin free agent market. So, you know, obviously the offseason is going to be very complicated for Winnipeg. They have a lot of holes to fill, and not that many opportunities to find genuinely good NHL-quality players that can be in part of Winnipeg's starting lineup, especially on the defense. One of the unfortunate side effects of this whole ban, aside from not playing hockey at all, is also that a lot of the guys that the Jets probably wanted to take a look at uh, on the blue line for at least a brief sample, guys like Dylan Sandberg and whatnot, aren't actually going to have an opportunity to play. This is going to make evaluating them next season kind of a priority because we need to see where they are and whether or not the Jets are actually going to have to make any moves you know during the start of the early part of the season. Right now, Winnipeg's kind of in limbo because they don't really have a sense of where these guys are, developmentally speaking, in comparison to the NHL level of hockey. With all that said, there's a couple of things that I think the Jets can do. And one of the biggest, craziest things that they could totally do is trade Kyle Connor. And look, Kyle is a fantastic goal scorer. Everyone in Winnipeg seems to really love him. I think the Jets players really enjoy watching him, you know, score goals, but I think the rest of his game is what kind of bothers me. Connor is not necessarily overpaid for his points production, but I think his net impact on the ice, especially in the defensive zone and in his inability to set up play at times in the offensive zone, I think makes him a really one-dimensional player. But the thing is... Kyle Connor has a ton of value in this league. A lot of teams would absolutely kill to have his, his goal-scoring ability. And looking at his, his underlying numbers and his contract value, I think some teams could honestly pitch it to themselves to give him a, a spot on their roster. Winnipeg is probably not the most ideal spot for him, just because I think that he has too many deficiencies for the Jets to try and cover. But there are no small amount of teams that could actually use his abilities, especially teams that lack a lot of goal-scoring ability up front. So who might the Jets trade him to if they were to do this? And what conceivably can the Jets get in return? One thought that I have is to go calling to the Florida Panthers for a couple of reasons. I think that Dale Talon is not exactly the best GM, and they've underperformed for a while and need, I don't know, some kind of injection of goal-scoring talent at the top end. I'm not really sure if Connor is exactly a fit for what they need, but let's assume Talon really doesn't know any better and thinks he is. I would like to get Aaron Ekblad, Alexei Hepiniemi, and a pick out of that deal. Ekblad prior to this season was a bit hit or miss, but last year he had a very good season and is exactly the kind of top four defenseman that the Jets absolutely need, and his contract is actually pretty reasonable. He's being paid seven and a half million, which is not ideal. It's about what the Jets are paying Kyle Connor right now. But Winnipeg was looking to offer Jacob Truba something similar to that, and I think Ekblad is a significantly better defenseman than Truba is, especially at this point in his career. Ekblad is also like twenty-three, so he's in his prime right now, which is great for the Jets who are looking to get younger and probably improve significantly on the defense. Obviously, though, the number of top pairing defensemen is very limited, and the only way that you're going to find somebody willing to give you a good asset like that is by offering them something in exchange that they can use. Connor is super flashy, and I think that Talon might look at his point totals and think that he's an elite forward, which in many respects, I would say that uh, that assessment is actually pretty accurate. Kyle Connor is an amazingly elite goal scorer and truly one of the best one-on-one players in the league. I just think the Jets have a lot of guys who... Aren't really driving play and sort of need to switch gears a little bit. And, and unfortunately, I would say that Connor is one of those players. I think Veselainen can honestly do the same kind of job that Connor does, although, of course, Veselainen is is really not anywhere in the same stick handling and, and finishing talent level. But Veselainen is still very good. They have kind of a similar issue of disappearing at 5v5, especially for Veselainen in the in the AHL, but Veselainen can still score goals, and he might actually be able to finish quite a few opportunities if he's given the chance on the top line or something. Heponiemi is very interesting to me because he's an extremely high upside center or wing. He's also Finnish, and he's 21. I think he had an okay first season in the AHL. He didn't exactly light it on fire, although coming from Liga to... The AHL can be a bit of a, a bit of a challenge. He wasn't really bad, but I would, you know, expect his goal scoring and, and points totals to start ticking up next season. Winnipeg is definitely down a, a second line center. You know, if Brian Little doesn't come back and if he retires next year, there's a decent chance that the Jets just aren't going to have anyone in place to re- to take that spot from him. You know, you'd be relying on somebody like Blake Wheeler or Andrew Copp or something to fill that role. I think Andrew Copp is capable of doing it. I just don't know if he has as much offensive upside as people are kind of looking for from a second-line center. I think he's actually okay at it, but I could see the argument that he needs to up his scoring rate. Hepa has that offensive potential to be a game-changer. He might be something like a really high-end playmaker and setup guy with great finishing instincts, and I think that that would be a really good fit for what the Jets are looking for. Obviously, Hepa is still a prospect... But he's got a very high ceiling. He was a monster, I believe, in the WHL. And his numbers for Liga in his age 20 season are pretty pretty decent for uh, what you'd expect from him. So I think that he could be a very good option if they bring him in. Um, a pick would have to come with it, I would think, because I think that Kyle Connor's goal contributions are are very highly touted and rated, and I think that you can get a lot of value for him. I don't know if, like... Ekblad, Hepa and a second is asking the right package, but that's something that I would be interested in. Borgstrom could be another option if Hepa is not on the table, but I would ask for more on the pick side because Borgstrom at the NHL level really hasn't done a whole lot yet, and right now he kind of looks something more like a middle six or bottom six center, so I'm not really super high on him. There aren't many other teams that can immediately use Kyle Connor's skill set, but I think the other team that does come to mind is the Carolina Hurricanes. Now, the Hurricanes are kind of a tricky team because they don't actually have that much cap space, and I'm not really sure what their long-term trajectory is as far as what they want to do with the team. They've assembled something of a, a war horse, but I'm just not really sure how they're going to navigate the cap space situation because if Winnipeg were to trade Connor there, I would imagine that they'd be looking to move somebody like Trocheck and Jake Gardner in the same deal, which is basically a cap dump D who at one point was a top four D but is still kind of on the older side, and a guy who at one point was a fairly high end two C but is probably more of a modest second line center, maybe a third line high end C. I don't know that I would really love a deal involving Gardner and Trocheck. I like Gardner separately, but I think you can get him for a lot cheaper than. You know Kyle Connor being part of the deal. If Connor is being thrown in there, it's got to be involving someone like Jake Bean or one of their other top prospects. Because I I just can't really see the Jets wanting to bring in that much salary for guys who are kind of not a hundred percent living up to their contract. And I'm just not thrilled with the idea of taking on that much salary for Jake Gardner and Trocheck combined. Even though it is, it does fit a couple of needs for the Jets. I'm just not overly in love with that idea of of taking a gamble on two guys who are probably not as prime as they used to be. Trocek also comes with some injury concerns, so that's not exactly ideal, and both have like three or four years left on their current existing deals. Now, Trocek is not that expensive, and if need be, you could move him again, but I, I don't really know that I, I don't know that I would pursue that kind of deal. If you could get Jake Bean or something as part of it, or even, you know, Brett Pesci, Trocek, and something for Connor. You might start thinking about that. I think it would be much harder to get Pesci out of there. I think Pesci would probably have to come um, more on his own than than getting him and Trocek. Winnipeg would probably have to add a fair amount for that deal to kind of happen, and I just don't know that the Jets are really capable of doing that. They usually don't like to pay additional assets and I think that it's kind of a hard cap fit for both sides to make it work. It'd probably be more like Pesci in a first or something for Connor, which is fine. I'd, I'd be pretty okay with that. I just don't know if that's really something that the Jets want to pursue when they're looking to make the playoffs year in and year out. They just gave Connor this deal and they like him a lot, so I can't imagine that he's really on the trading block. I don't know what the Jets are going to do about their second-line center issue because, to be honest, uh, there's not really many options that are going to be on the market, and I think that internally sourcing it, you only have a couple of internal options that could even pass for a 2C. Andrew Kopp is the guy that could be kind of a consummate 2C if Brian Little is not going to be around next season. I, I Again, I don't know that he really has the kind of high-end offensive upside that you really are looking for. I think that he does a lot of really good things that drive play as a 2C and if you put him with finishers I think that that's I think that's the best way to use his skill sets. But that aside he seems to be thriving in like a third line role so I'm I'm you know I'm happy to keep him with Harkins and Roslovic or something as your third line and just kind of run over teams using that that unit. I think the big hope is that uh, you know either Jack Roslovic steps up and becomes something more than what he's shown aside from being on the 25th line which is in all fairness, he was great on the 2015 line. But, uh, you know, once that line was broken up, he kind of went back to being an okay winger. Not amazing, but pretty good. He still has those flashes of very high-end skill, and sometimes you see it in the way that he attacks the offensive zone. And he has he has actually pretty good one-on-one matchup skills. Not exactly like Kyle Connor deception or anything, but he's got a really good power drive to the net, and he's very good in tight spaces. So, obviously, Rosovic has tons of talent. He just might not be, you know, a second-line center kind of thing. The most reaching option at this point is that David Gustafsson takes enough of a step forward that he can actually be trusted to be the second-line center. I I don't think that that's really the most likely option. I think that when he first came to the U.S. and, and tried his hand at North American hockey after being in, I think it was, the Swedish Hockey League or Liga, uh, obviously that's a major adjustment. And his numbers, especially on the fourth line... Granted, with bad line mates, but still, it was a bit of a tough tough couple of weeks for him. He has been much better with the Manitoba Moose, and it's really a shame that the season ended while he was just starting to heat up because I feel like he was starting to get the North American game a lot more than he was when he first started. I do think long-term he projects to be some form of a a top-six center. I don't 100% know just how good he's going to be, but you you see some highlights from what he's doing in the AHL level, especially on his recent scoring tear. And he's starting to show some really, really good power drives, um, very smart positioning. He's got really underrated stick handling, and his skating stride looks faster than I remember. He's still a teenager, I think, or if he's not a teenager, he's like 20, so obviously Gustafson has, has quite a few years ahead of him. And it's okay if it takes another season in the Moose Um, or maybe even a half season, just to kind of get up to speed and start to acclimate to the the North American pro game. My take is that eventually he will be the second line center. I don't know when it's going to happen, but I think that he has all of the traits of somebody who could be a really good playmaking two-way center with some underrated scoring ability. Maybe he's kind of like a hybrid of Nick Backstrom and Adam Lowry. He's a big kid, and he has those same very smart instincts Possibly with uh, with that offensive upside that, you know, maybe you'd think a guy like Backstrom possesses. I don't think that he's going to be on the level of somebody like Backstrom that's obviously going pretty far, but I think that he has some of the same traits in the way that he thinks about the game and how he approaches his reads. And also his set-up play. He's actually pretty good at passing and, and getting into good, nice offensive positions. Speaking of smart positioning and opportunities, if you've been a listener of this podcast, you've probably heard about all of the great advertisers currently working with the Locked On Network to reach sports fans around the world. What you may not know is that Locked On Winpeg Jets is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Jets fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach Jets fans on a routine basis. Our listeners aren't just any podcast listeners, they're Locked On listeners. If your company wants to connect with Jets fans who are predominantly male, well-educated, and with disposable income, then feel free to drop us a line at the Locked On Podcast Network. Local fans love supporting local businesses, and we love supporting you. Text the word ADVERTISING for more information to 33777 or visit advertising and drop us a line. Our team will work with you step-by-step to achieve the greatest level of Locked On advertising success. Once again, that's the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcasts.com slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you soon. On tomorrow's episode, I'm going to detail some of the stuff that might happen with the defense, but I thought I'd change a bit of uh, the gears for something a little more entertaining, perhaps, and I wanted to talk about what would the Winnipeg Jets look like as RPG character or fantasy RPG archetypes and tropes. And I'll start with our uh, our subject of our trade discussion, Kyle Connor. I'm pretty sure if like he was an RPG character or something, he'd be basically Stoner Legolas. The guy always goes forward, he can hit these amazing shots and he always does like these crazy cool uh you know, one-on-one situations with a bunch of bad guys, but you're also never really sure if he's aware of exactly what's going on around him. Dude always wears his hair long, has a long beard. Just kind of seems a little bit spacey and kind of absent-minded, but then he finds himself, like, taking out three different guys in the span of, like, ten minutes. That feels like the prime Kyle Connor, I guess, moment, is somehow he finds himself in the right position, has this amazing set of skills, and you're never really sure if he knows how to use it consistently, but when he does, it's at least very pretty. Blake Wheeler is definitely the gritty paladin dude who kind of speaks in very terse sort of hushed tones, has a lot of gray in his beard and hair thinks it looks very distinguished and kind of likes to be the dad figure of the whole team or whatever. You're never really sure if he's going to be um, super angry, but he always tries to give some inspirational speech and then kind of has like this war-weary, world-weary approach to everything. Nick Ayler's is probably the thief because he just seems to slip in between spaces and find things that other people don't always see. He's very good at getting into positions where other people don't want him, and I think that he has he has the ability to put the puck behind his opponents and assassinate his enemies. Yeah, he's definitely the thief kind of type. Line A is probably the, uh, the cavalry. You know, you call him in when you need the big guns to kind of trample your foes, although it's funny because Line A doesn't actually have that same kind of extremely over-the-top charismatic nature as some of the cavalry uh, depictions in, in fantasy tend to have. I guess his mighty steed is the giant shot that he possesses because he just rides that to, to victory repeatedly. Although this season he's actually been using it to uh, to create more opportunities for his friends. So it's kind of hard to say if he'd fit any other archetype, but I would say cavalry is probably my, my choice of uh, role, I would say. Uh, if you have to take one from Mark Shifley, I guess that he's probably some kind of generic knight he just seems to not really want to be the uh, sweary type. He's very goody-two-shoes. Always believes in upholding the law and all this crap. And everyone kind of rolls their eyes. They're like, mm, you're just a little too good for us. But obviously he's very sturdy, very dependable. He's a natural leader. People kind of want to rely on him a lot. And he's very versatile. Josh Morrissey is uh, not really sure, actually. I I don't know if I have a specific role for him other than guy who's definitely there. Maybe you could call him like a shield bearer, but the whole thing is that he's not so good at defense anymore, so maybe maybe not. Maybe we don't really call him a shield bearer. Not really sure. Neil Pionk is definitely like the rookie who's very wide-eyed and kind of chaotic, and you're not really sure if he's going to go sprinting in the battle or or run behind lines kind of chaotically. You can't really control him. He just sort of explodes everywhere, and that's, that's kind of the Neil Pionk experience. Most of the time when he explodes, he does good things, but every now and then he has this crazy moment where he suddenly makes a mistake and, you know, like half of his team gets wiped out. Yeah, he's definitely the rookie. I think that that's probably the fairest assessment. Matthew Perot is definitely the mage because he always seems to find some really dazzling display of, of competent skill, puck handling, and just general general puck possession and magical ability to find himself in good spaces to create opportunities for his friends. He's not like an out-and-out scorer himself so much as he's a support guy for the rest of his team, so I feel like him being the mage type is definitely what I'd imagine him to be. He also speaks French, so I think that immediately puts him in in mage category, because they know all these crazy languages and stuff. Hellebuck is probably the closest thing to, like, the mountain that you would find. He's very big. He tends to block a lot of damage, seems to be the tank of the team, absorbs everything for his squad, and is basically pivotal to the reason that they're constantly winning stuff. When he's on the field, he draws a lot of attention and constantly absorbs a ton of damage, sometimes to his detriment, sometimes he gets tired, but in the end, he's he's pulled through for his team repeatedly, and he's saved Winnipeg, certainly on a number of occasions. The last one I'm going to take is Anthony Batetto. And I think Potato is the generic guardsman who always has like the wisecracks and the really crazy quotes, but you're not really sure if he's actually capable of defending the gate like he says he can. If you've seen uh, Pirates of the Caribbean and you know the two, I guess, comedic relief red shirt guards, you probably know what I'm talking about. He definitely tries his hardest and he will give you some really funny lines, but you're not really sure if he knows what else is going on. So that's that's the Anthony Potato experience, I would say. If you guys have any comparisons and tropes you think our team fits, please feel free to let me know at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets on Twitter or hit me up at HLLivingLoco on our Twitter, my personal Twitter actually. That's all we have for tonight's edition of Locked on Winnipeg Jets. Tune your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked on NHL and thanks again. Have a great night, see you tomorrow, and go Jets go!